Welcome to the Evolved Caveman, where men learn to be successful and happy with your host, Dr. John Schinnerer, as he shares the most impactful ideas and practices for you to get the most from your relationships, your work, and from your life. Now, here's Dr. John. Hey, everybody. Great to have you back. This is Dr. John with another episode of the Evolved Caveman, and I'm really excited about my guest today, Sean Lake who is a former professional snowboarder who went on to join Burton Snowboards, work as Sean White's team manager, which gives him instant street cred, and land a spot as the director of sports marketing at DC Shoes. After decades in action sports marketing, Sean co-founded Bub's Naturals, a line of collagen peptides and other all-natural supplements named after Sean's childhood best friend, Glenn Bub Doherty a Navy SEAL who was killed in Benghazi, Libya on 9-11 in 2012. A devoted husband, father, and fitness fanatic, Sean's passionate about helping people feel great and do good. Welcome to the show, Sean. Wow. Thanks for that intro. That's, uh, that's powerful stuff. I hope I can live up to that. It's always tough. Introdu- intros always make me a little uncomfortable when people are introducing me. I, I, can I always get a little long- embarrassed. Is it the doctor part? Because you earned that. Well, no, it's not that part. It's just, I, you know, you, you get this list of kind of stuff you've done and it's like, I don't know. It makes me uncomfortable. I, well, so let me ask you this. How do you deal with compliments? Uh, you know, what's funny. I, I used to be a bit, a little bit of a deflector and uh-huh. now I'm, I'm always cognizant of who's giving the compliment. I try and pay more, a lot more attention now at this, at this stage of my life at who I'm speaking with and what kind of what's behind what they're saying. And I still kind of deflect a little bit because there are things that I'll do that I don't consider to be a big deal, but to someone else, they are a big deal. So I want to give respect mm-hmm. to that. I still kind of downplay it. Like, uh, you know, cause I don't want to be like, yeah, you're right. Yeah. That was awesome. Um, <laughs> Thank you for noticing my awesomeness. Yeah. Like I, I went on a kindergarten camping trip last weekend and on this kindergarten camping trip, we took all these. You seem a little old for kindergarten. Well, that's what happens when you start a family when you're 45 years old. And I'm, <laughs> I'm a fresh 50. So thanks for thanks for diming me out right like that. <laughs> all right. I see how this is going to go. Um, I take all these kids camping, and you know, my wife, our children, and there's all these other you know families from this kindergarten, and we take the kids all down to go fishing. And can you imagine what it's like with a bunch of five-year-olds in fishing poles uh, around? With hooks? So With hooks. So oh. this little girl got a fish hook in her neck like, stuck oh, right there. and oh. everyone is losing their minds. And I mean, like, like, Oh my God, what are we going to do? Like, yeah. Oh, grab a first aid kit, call nine one one. And I'm like, I walked up and one of the dads was like, kind of had the shaking hands was trying to work on the hook. And the mom is there and she's like white faced and hysterical. And it was just one of those, those moments. So I, I, I stepped in, I said, Hey, when, when you're ready, I can help out here. And the dad was like, so relieved to not be doing that exercise. So I sort of, and I looked at the mom, I said, this is fine. Everything is fine here. I looked at the little girl. I said, you're, you know, you're doing great. You're so strong and hooks have barbs. So you have to fish a hook out a certain way and pull on the skin to make sure that you're not tearing at the skin. And you just got to be calm in the moment and everything happens a little bit slower but it's actually happening really fast. And I, you know, pop the hook out. And I, it was like, I was a national hero to this mom 
right? And mm, I'm like, sure. okay, we're, we're cool. And she's like, no, thank you so much. And she came up to me like several times over the course of that day to, to like pour these compliments out. And I just sort of like, I'm like, no, 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 it's, it's really not that big a deal. What I meant for her to know is when this happens again, it's not going to be a big deal for you because it, that's not, it's just not like you kind of pull down the severity of the situation so that she can be a calm, cool, collected self and deal with it. That's what I was hoping to accomplish from that. So it's like you're deflecting the compliment, but you're really trying to get the person who is sort of administering it. Like, where's their headspace? Where are they at? And how do you kind of, you know, navigate that conversation? And with her, I just wanted her to become a stronger person to deal with that crap in the future. Because well, knowing calmer, her kid, yeah. there's going to be a lot more fish hooks in the future. <laughs> Well, and yeah, I mean, I think it speaks to how important it is to stay calm in sort of crisis situations or emergency yeah. situations that once you start losing your mind, and I've always told my kids this, if you lose your mind in an emergency, you're useless. Yeah. And so really important to man to practice emotional management skills to stay calm in those extreme situations. Yep. Hands down. And, I, I, you know, I couldn't it was a big deal to the mother. It wasn't a big deal to you because you've dealt with that before. It sounds like. Maybe not with a and neck just, and a five-year-old. No, but, but I, you know, been in some first aid situations and, and been in some medical situations and, you know, you just have a baseline of knowledge that you're, you're, you're sort of operating from. I'm not a surgeon, you know, got first aid. Um, but you just sort of like, if you can keep yourself level-headed, you're going to problem mm -hmm. solve. You're going to look at this and say, okay, what's the best way to navigate this? And Hey, if it was something severe, I would have just cut the fishing line and taken the kid to the hospital. It, it, this wasn't that. But to right. a mom, all she saw was this hook and blood. Yeah. And, you know, and then as soon as it was out, her kid was like ready to go back and play. So there you go. Um, anyway, so back, you know, long-winded way of saying, uh, you know, when someone gives you a compliment, obviously you want to receive the compliment well. Um, I don't always just compliment back because that's also can be a little bit awkward. A deflection. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, you sort of read the room. Like I could tell you're an incredibly handsome man. And I'm uh, waiting for you to Why, kick thank you. Come on, buddy. Let, you know that hat looks great on you. Oh, <laughs> that's stuck on. I'm sorry. That's, that's a nag. That's a little bit of a nag. Well, that's that's because you're an Oakland A's fan. We're we're okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and so I mean, to me, it's just an interesting issue because I think most men that I've talked to in the past suck at receiving compliments. Well. And I think it makes us uncomfortable. I think it embarrasses us. I think we dismiss it in a number of ways like, oh, they're just blowing smoke up my ass or they don't really yeah. mean that. And I think to, to flip that to, well, wait a second, other people outside of me that aren't me can see my positive qualities more clearly than I can see them myself. And so maybe it really helps me to pay attention and believe that they're being sincere and work mm -hmm. to accept that. And, and I think that's a really good practice just to help people increase self-esteem, self-worth and those kind of yeah. things. You know, the so your thing is, is great. That, that's, that, that's, we can all use a little shot in the arm. Yeah. Of, well, I, self-worth. Yeah. I said self-esteem, but the self-esteem movement was kind of the cluster, you know, cuss, but um, that's a whole nother story. We won't go there. So um, you're 50 now. Congratulations. Fresh 50, you don't look yep. 50. You look much younger. Um, so let's talk a little bit about getting into like, getting back into a healthy groove in your forties and fifties. Yeah. So, I mean, there's kind of two parts to it. One is vanity straight up. Like I remember when I was working at Burton and I was on a short vacation, like in between snowboard season 
And I was down in Mexico and I was in a lounge chair. And I remember distinctly, like, this is one of those like burn in your, in your mind moments. And I looked down and I just had a belly and I had a belly in college because you gain the freshman 15, cause you can drink all this cheap beer. And I'll, all of a sudden like, wait, I'm in my thirties and I've got a belly. Oh. And then I remember snowboarding after that. And these are the two data points I put together and I was snowboarding heavy. Like I wasn't light on my feet. Mm. I was hitting jumps and I was like landing hard and it was, it wasn't right. And I'm like, I got to do something about this, man. I don't look good. And that's the vanity in me. Like I, I have that the way most guys have that. Like you mm-hmm. look Absolutely. Good. It is a source of strength and I will be the first one to say it. Vanity metrics are a good thing. And you know, you, you look good you feel good. And there is a, there's a, there's a connection there. And I, I, I don't shy away from it. I lean into it and getting fit was turned on in me in that moment. Now that was doubled by wanting to perform well. Right. So my ego was also attached to a level of athletic performance. Um, around that same time, my best friend since childhood, uh, a guy named Glenn Doherty, uh, he was an active duty Navy SEAL and he was ripped like he was just walking muscle. Like he just come to his room and he was the kindest, nicest guy. You'd never guess he was a Navy SEAL. Like this dude used to tour with the Grateful Dead in his twenties. Like he was like wow. the antithesis of what you would think a SEAL is, but he was ripped. And whenever he was home from deployments, I would go and do some sort of fitnessy stuff with him. And he would just mop the floor with me. And I'm also a little competitive maybe. Uh-huh. And yeah. so I wanted to get better. And he would just sort of pour out like, hey, buy a road bike. We're going to go on bike rides. Uh, we're going to go and we're going to do these trail runs. And I wasn't a trail runner. And he pulled me into these outdoor activities. And then eventually, you know, a couple of years later, we discovered CrossFit, which is, you know, the sport that has taken off with meteoric rise mm-hmm. and, and sort of attention around it. And Glenn learned about it in the military and he, he brought it home from a deployment. And he's like, there's this new thing. It's called CrossFit. We're going to do it. And it was amazing and it was transformative and it was exactly what a competitive guy needed to, to kind of get that mojo going. So I really learned a lot about fitness through Glenn and I applied it because I still wanted to do cool stuff. And I never looked at being in my thirties or into my forties as this sort of like end of life cycle, which so many of my old friends did. And I turned 40 in the best shape of my life. Um, I really didn't start till I was like 38, but like by the time I was 40, I was PRing lifts at the gym, like you're doing mm-hmm. my, my heaviest lifts. I was running the fastest I'd ever run. Um, I felt great on a snowboard. I was like, I literally was like, man, if I was just this fit when I was in my 20s, I would have had a much better career, but better late than never. And now I'm 50. 10 years later, it's been gassed down on fitness because it has unlocked mental clarity. It unlocks a sense of confidence and problem solving. And it unlocks so many other things that are outside of the gym. And it's been an amazing, amazing journey. Not because I, I just want to look good, which of course I do. Because um, like I said, I'll, I'll embrace that. I, I'm not going to shy away from it, but it's, it's the other things, those intangibles that they're all part of a feeder system. And if you feel really good up here and you feel really clear headed up here, you're going to be better at solving problems. You're going to be better at doing things. And it's just, 
you know, it, they go hand in hand. I didn't know that before. I didn't, I didn't realize that it was later in life that I, I started to solve for that and figure that out. And, and now, you know, if I don't get a good workout in and I see myself getting salty or angry, I know I got to fix that. So, yeah, one, I think you're speaking to the mind body connection, which, you know, is so critically important. You mentioned, you know, confidence and mood comes in there. So it can, you can work off anger, you can work off anxiety and stress, you can work off depression. Um, And we know like three of the biggest, the most effective treatments for depression are medication, meditation, and exercise. And exercise is actually- two out of three. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and, and exercise is really the most powerful of those and meditation because you have this, self-efficacy that comes with it. In other words, you feel like you can control it yourself. You don't need anything outside or, um, and so the the relapse rate is much lower with those two than with medication. Um, One of the things I wanted to get to though, which I'm always a fan of is this idea of mindset. And I was thinking about you this morning before this interview. And so I've played sports pretty much my whole life. I've done, you know, swimming, soccer, water polo. And then at in high school, I started getting into ultimate Frisbee and I played ultimate Frisbee until I was about 50, which I thought was a you know pretty good run. And then I kind of had this spinal stenosis problem and had to get spine surgery. And so now I'm just doing more weightlifting, not really so much aerobic exercise. Yep. Um, but the whole thing of optimal performance and like even weightlifting, how do you get a new PR? How do you tell your body before you do a lift that you can do this lift? So let's talk a little bit about mindset. Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting. Um, there's mindset at different chapters, right? And I, I think the, my, uh, my approach to mindset today is, is rooted in knowing where it was in my 20s when I was snowboarding for a living. So in the 90s in snowboarding, it wasn't that your moves on a snowboard were as calculated as much as it was kind of balls, like for lack Hmm. of a better term, like you were just kind of like sending it and that everything was new in snowboarding. It it wasn't Mm -hmm. an Olympic sport yet. It wasn't calculated with a lot of judges as, as formally as it is today. Um, It was a little bit more subjective, but there was one thing that wasn't. And that was, if you can jump off the biggest cliff on the mountain, Hey man, that's it. Like you made it. And that was it. So it was, it was this cojones factor, but it was also calculated risk. Like how much snow fell? Is there a soft landing? Is the, is the angle correct? How far out do you have to go before you drop down and just throwing a snowball, get you directly to the right landing zone. It wasn't very scientific, but those were the confidence builders to make a decision to then throw yourself off a, you know, 20, 30, 40 foot cliff. Um, I see your eyes popping on that one, which is funny. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, um, wow. But well, I've, th- we I've done that, like jumping off a cliff into water. And that's, you know, took me a minute. But it, yeah. I mean, like what? So how did you get up the cojones to do that? The courage? Because I think it's one thing to do it without thinking. Like I, I found yes. if I'm jumping off a cliff into a lake, I don't want to think about it. The longer I sit there and think about it, the more screwed I am. Absolutely. And, and so the quicker I can do it, I just get up there and jump. And, you know, if I know there's no rocks and all that stuff, but how do you do that snowboarding when there's no water down below you? Well, there is, there is a degree of like, do you know the landing area? Do you, what do you know about what's below you? And the bottom line is you never know everything. Is there a rock hidden right underneath the snowpack? Is it a good landing area? Like if you're below a cliff face, is that usually where vegetation would grow up and then snow would bind to that better. So you've got a good stable landing area. Like there's, 
there's general things, you know, but at the end of the day, it's kind of like, fuck it, let's go. And that mentality in our 20s, when we didn't know a lot and everything we did was kind of new and it was kind of like a first, um, it was, it, it's hard to really put it into words, but there's there's this sort of like belief in yourself that is innate in that that pioneering element. Like I can do this, like that skier did that other thing over there. I'm going to do it better than him. Like that's the competition side, mm-hmm. but then there's a belief in yourself. Like I can do that. And, you know, it starts smaller and it kind of inches your way up, but it gets to a point where you just, you've gained enough confidence from the little hits along the way that you just believe in yourself. Um, your worst moments are when you have that doubt um, because right. that's what leads to injury. You know, if you are questioning things too much, you better walk away because because you're going to make a bad decision. You're going to feel obliged to do the stunt or to jump off the thing, and you're, it's not going to be right for you. Um, and I've learned those lessons too. I've, I've put myself in bad situations, and you know, you're ended up with a full meltdown on the snow, punching the snow because you can't get your headspace right. Um, the simplest moments, getting into a little bit of call it a flow state, is when you just start the day right. You feel good. Don't overthink it and you just keep going. Mm-hmm. And then you know when to pull up. You know, just pull out, be like, nope, I'm getting tired. My legs aren't going to handle it the same way. My, you know, my, I, I know that I've, I've kind of peaked. And I had those days where it's like you're knocking out jump after jump after jump. And then, you know, one in the afternoon, you're like, let's go hit the really big one. And oh, sometimes you're like, yeah, I got it. And you just, you feel that adrenaline and you feel it because you've built that momentum up over those other hits along the way. You never lead with the biggest jump. Um, but then you also got to know when to be like, you know what? I'm kind of smoked. I'm going to step back. And uh, you, you learn that after fucking up a few times, pardon my French. Yeah, like you, okay. you learn that after you make those mistakes and then you go, aha, new data is well, yeah, really good, really good teacher that, you know, you jump off a 30 foot cliff and it doesn't go well, you're going to remember that you're going to just, yes, you are. <laughs> what did I do? Um, wrong so that there? was in my twenties. Like, like that was, that was in my twenties. That was, you know, it was led, it was led a lot by just self-belief and just, just kind of a charging mentality. Like you're living off this adrenaline high. Um, you've built that foundation and it's very informal, but you could just go for it. It got a lot more calculated into my forties. I still want to jump off cliffs. I still jump off cliffs today. But now I train and man, I got, I wish I just trained in my twenties too, but I, you know, mm. we, no one did it, going to the gym as a snowboarder in your twenties was like, what? That's what not cool. Some ski jock. Like we're cool yeah. snowboarders. We don't do that. And it was a total miss. Um, but learning fitness and getting that involved in my regimen built confident. I didn't need to be on the mountain 30, 40, 50, hundred days a year to have that same level of confidence. I could strap in on day one and be like, I've, I've been riding my bike. I've been running. I've been strength training. I'm ready to go. And that's been amazing. So that, that confidence level now is different. Uh, you do things prep-wise a little bit better. You stretch beforehand. You feel really good. Your nutrition's on point. <laughs> you're, you're I'm, I'm laughing at stretching. I'm like, we, yeah, <laughs> we never stretched back in the day. Like, I don't need to stretch. I just need muscle. And now it's like, I got to stretch. Oh, yeah. Especially when you pass oh, yeah. 50. Stretching's, stretching's um, key. Yeah, going out drinking the night before you were talking about. like We used to call it drink it blue. Um, you would literally go out the night before a huge snowstorm and just obliterate yourself when you're 22 years old. 
And inevitably, it'd be perfect bluebird conditions the next day. And the filmer and the photographer are there. They're waiting for you to be your best self. And you're walking around in the morning like, uh, you know, you're just, you're a zombie. And then you just got to kick it into gear, let that adrenaline. And in some ways, we used to joke that when you were hungover, you couldn't think which meant you couldn't overthink. Oh, interesting. So we used to convince ourselves that like, we were a little bit hungover. We might actually ride it better helps. because you're not questioning yourself so much. We didn't occur to us that we didn't need the drinking to not question ourselves. We just needed better, like overall level up in confidence. Of Funny. tools. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're doing those jumps, do you visualize them beforehand or do you just kind of, mm-hmm. yeah. Do you see them uh, in your mind? I, I do. Um, and and I, I kind of always have is like, is that there's a feeling you get with a well-executed jump. Like there's that perfect moment when you're doing a method where you're like, you kick out your back leg and you're arched a certain way. And you can, you can feel that, um, you know, when you grab or you spin a certain way, there's that shoulder drop and you can just sort of like feel that float. You know that from all the practice runs that you've had. Um but then again, when you're in powder and you're jumping off of something, there's always unknown variables. It's Unknowns, like surfing. Yeah. Every wave is different. Every wave is different. Um, and so there's a certain unpredictability that you you have to build into it, but that's what well, fun is. And, and you surf now, and I imagine you've surfed for years. How does getting into the flow state differ between snowboarding and surfing? Is there any difference? For some reason in my mind, I think of surfing as kind of one of the easiest ways to slip into flow state. Um, you know, it, it, it's interesting. I would say any of the sideways sports have this ability to to get into a flow state, like and, and, and regardless of ability levels, right? You don't have to operate at the highest level. It, it's different. It's what's your flow state for where where you are. I'm a you know I would say an average to novice surfer. I've been surfing you know since 2001, but here I am, decades later, I'm still learning a ton about it. But my best days happen when I don't think mm-hmm. I'm not thinking about the wave. I'm not thinking about the maneuvers like as, as something like, Oh, I have to do this. I'm sort of letting the canvas paint itself. Um, and those are the best moments. That's flow state. It's, it's, you're just in that moment and everything that you do sort of builds that confidence. So every good turn, every good drop in every good, you know, exit off the back of a wave just gets, builds it up and you just get a little bit happier. And just that stoke factor dials up a little bit and you get naturally drawn into it. I've gone surfing when I could not stop thinking about work and I go out there to clear my head and mm-hmm. I don't do it. I fail at that. And I have the worst surf ever, ever. Yeah. Now you leave. And again, these are, these are the constant data points we get as human beings learn from that leave your shit on the beach and, and go out and have a good time, like create a good time. So, well, and, and you're wearing a, a Red Sox hat and it makes me think I'm working with a five tool baseball player right now. And I've worked with athletes over the years. And I, I mean, it, it just fascinates me because I think one of the biggest challenges is how do you turn off the mind in order to let your muscles do what they've trained tens of thousands of times to do. And they know far better than your conscious mind, what to do in that moment. And so, you know, things like, you know, you talk about leaving it on the beach, like you can even create a ritual for leaving your shit at the beach, like 
imagine taking off a backpack full of stones and leaving it on the beach yes. or a real backpack I, pre-performance rituals like you see the batters you know adjust their straps on their wrist guards and you know adjust the bat and you know they're touching their chest or pointing to the sky or whatever it is or how they put their feet in the sand all that's pre-performance ritual before every yep. swing of the bat so that they stop thinking it's to get them into that automatic yes. habitual place because the last thing you want to do is have a thought when you're yep. looking at a 99 mile per hour fastball best and mechanism so it, is your head and the worst mechanism is your head yeah at and, the it, same and time. you know so one of the things i'll tell my clients is i'm here to teach you how to get your mind to work for you instead of being your brain's bitch yeah and, and I, you know, a lot of people are going to cringe at that word, shouldn't use that word, but people get it right. They're like, oh yeah, you know, I've been fucked by my mind before. Like it just doubt, lack of confidence, fear, you know, all those second guessing thoughts, those really mess us up. Oh yeah. I, I mean, mind fucking is incredibly real. Like if you listen to what someone else has to say to you, your mind can contort intent and words into something completely different than, than what is intended. You know, if you don't have the body language visuals that we have right now, and I'm just listening to you, my mind could scramble your words, the inflection, mm -hmm. the tone, and the actual verbiage. Um, and there's amazing statistics bad? around this. No, I'd have to, I'd have to reach for it. But if I was in a bad, okay, mood, like, let's say, I, let's say I had a bad morning, like no, yeah, kids no, were I get what you're saying. disrupted. I'm I got teasing. a horrible email and you and I start yeah. this conversation and there's no zoom. We can't see each other. And I'm left to like, let those other thoughts creep around in here. And all this, yeah, it's based on different. your mood, your mood affects your interpretation. Yes. And I talk and, about, I talk about this with clients all the time. Like how do you depersonalize what others, someone else is feeling or, you know, the words they're using, like, you know, the boss comes in pissed off in the morning and you're like, oh my God, he knows I left five minutes early yesterday. Like, no, that's not even top 10 in his mind. But, but what's funny is like, how do you take his anger and don't react to it, but pause and respond to it. Because there is such huge value in not reacting, yep. but responding. Very similar words, but incredibly Ooh. different. And, and Have you and, been getting a little bit into mindfulness there? <laughs> Maybe a touch. I'm a fresh 50. I got to do something with my time. That, that sounds very mindful. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Absolutely. So I, I practice a type of meditation. Um, I got into it about four years ago. It's called Zazen. It's a very active meditation. It doesn't require hours and hours of time. Um, but it has taught me a lot about that intent and has taught me a lot about how to put life's occurrences into a logical container. And what I mean by that is often things are as they appear often things aren't as they appear. And how do you sift through that and make sense of it? So if I have a conversation and there's an angry boss and he's pissed off, I can, if I allow myself, can take the time to pull back from the conversation and say, well, what's going on with him or her? What's going on in their life that's, all, that's forcing this thing to happen? And how do well, I even best what, engage? What possibly is going on in his life? You know, because it doesn't have to be actual. I think we can come up with alternative interpretations that take the spotlight off of us and put it onto him. Like, okay, just got in an argument with his wife. He got a ticket on the way to work. His son's on drugs and he's really worried about that. He's worried about the finances of the company. And like, we don't know those for sure, but I'm always talking to clients about pick the interpretation that serves you best from an emotional level. 
Yeah. And the one that doesn't treat you best or serve you best is the one where you're like, oh my gosh, he knows he hates the PowerPoint presentation that I just gave him. Yeah. I fucked up. I did something wrong. I'm not up for the challenge. I'm an idiot. I'm a loser. Do you have those thoughts too? Oh yeah. Everyone does. I I, I think think (laughs) you're absolutely in denial. If you can go through life with the idea that you've done no wrong, can do no wrong, you are the perfect sociopath. Yeah. Or narcissist. I mean, I remember I had a, a PhD. I, think they go hand in I had hand. written a book and they're very close, but I remember I had, so I had a PhD, I had written a book and I, my mind would still tell me stuff like you fucking dumbass. <laughs> I'd be like, whoa, 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 wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. Like I got to catch that thought. And like, where's the evidence to support this? Like you really have to slow things down and ask yourself, is this true? And I, I think that idea of just not all the thoughts in your head are true is a, like a, you can spend a few years trying to wrap that one yep. around your mind. You give pause. If you can give yeah. pause in a conversation, like I know when my wife go rapid fire, bing, 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 bing. It's an emotionally based relationship. There's a lot of passion and love there. And that is often wrought with disastrous results. If you go too fast in a conversation, I can't count how many times I have misinterpreted her intent of her words. And I've had to come back around and we both do it. Like she's done the same thing with me. And we go like, Oh, you, you didn't actually mean the way this is what I heard. And she looks at you like, what did you hear? Like, I didn't even, I didn't even say anything close to that. Um, But if you're cognizant of that, you can fix it in real time. You can Mm. do that. If you don't rapid fire your responses to try and win an argument or defend yourself or, do those things that we do as humans, you're going to find yourself able to unlock some amazing conversations. And and it brings up this interesting point of, you know, your competitiveness, my competitiveness. And I think you've got to be aware of one of the problems that we have. I want to say as men, but I think we can all have it. If you're really competitive, I think it's easy to bring the competitiveness into your primary relationship, your romantic relationship and be like, knock down, drag out, like, I'm going to win this argument. And it's like, it's not about winning. It's just about hearing the other side. Yeah. And, and by the way, winning them. might very well mean losing. In the Yeah. Winning time. might be, you can win all you want and be alone. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, and, and it also brings up the importance of emotional management skills and communication because man, I am still learning how to communicate and I'm 54. Yeah. Yeah. Communicating it's, well it's, it's, is difficult. Yeah, there's, there's a funny quote I learned um, along the way, and it, it, was, it was simple. It just said, greatness has no finish line. And okay, That's I'm not one. great. I'm not great, but I want to be. And mm-hmm. that has no finish line. So it, I owe it to myself every day to pick up something new, have a new approach, just keep the evolution going because, man – we're using age here as, as, as one of the things. It doesn't matter if you're 10, 20, 30, the, the juice in life is, is that learning. It's that evolution. It's evolving. Um, I, I agree. And, and well, I think curiosity and lifelong learning are two of my biggest values. And, and I think it's so, and I, I wish everyone had them because it's partly that growth mindset, right? That the more you learn, the more you stay alive. I, I don't know. The other thing that crosses my mind is, you know, we were talking about working out, earlier. And the other thing that crossed my mind earlier was um, the idea that when you stop moving, you start dying. Yeah. So as we're both 50 and above, 
it's like, I see a lot of my friends just stop working out. Yeah. And, and it's like, and, and it almost feels like some have given up at some level. Like, yeah, I'm just, I'm just counting the days. It's an odd thing. Like one, they, they probably wouldn't say that out loud, but their actions. No, correct. That. And you're just like, man, why? Like, why, why, why slow down? I, I don't, I, I just don't understand that. And I, I yeah. don't, I, what I, the only way I would want to understand it is if in some way it would be to get them off the couch, to get them moving, to get them doing something a little bit more. And, and in a lot of ways, that's what I get to do at work every day. Um, like I come to work every day with the goal of, you know, elevating up and lifting up. And man, you talk about a good motivator to get out of bed in the morning. It's the idea that you can play a role in changing lives. Uh, you have, mm -hmm. you, you do that too. I mean, literally what we're doing here and having this conversation is a gateway into maybe helping one person unlock that room of change, of self-change and evolution and saying, oh, you know what? Maybe I can go for a walk. Maybe I'm going to run a 5K. It might take me a year, but maybe I'm going to lose 50 pounds or whatever the thing is. Yeah. And what they don't know today, but maybe they're unlocking the potential of is how good they're going to feel on that road and how good they're going to feel when they realize that that's just a road that leads well, to another road. And, and that's one of the ways to motivate yourself is to imagine or visualize how you'll feel when you accomplish the goal. And there's something about a comp or visualizing the emotion that really helps you to get going. Um, but yeah. the, I wanted to go also a little bit to collagen and to bubs. And, you know, I've put collagen powder in my protein smoothies in the morning for, I don't know, several years. And one of the reasons I did it was because my understanding from the research is that collagen is well absorbed into the joints and the body, whereas a lot of vitamin supplements we take are kind of, you know, kind of iffy, 20%, 30%. But collagen, I think, approaches 90 to 100% absorption rate. So why, why do a collagen supplement? So, um, so, so I'm 50. Um, my wife and I met, you know, 10, 11 years ago, and she is a little bit younger than I am. Uh, so let's say 14 years. And when we no had judgment. our first baby, I was 45. She was 31. And she bought a jar of collagen after, you know, she's in the news. So she had, you know, figured it out through the news and, and, and worked and said, Hey, I'm, this stuff's going to work for you. Uh, it's supposed to be great for joint health. And mm -hmm. she's like, <laughs> the, the famous quote was, and I need to preserve you in your old age. Uh-huh. And I said, okay, so what does this stuff do? And she's like, well, it's, it's connective tissue. So it's great for hair, skin, and nails. And I'm like, I don't care about any of that. And but, she, but skin, really you will care about skin the older you get. Didn't know it at the time. At the time, I was like, oh, I'm fresh face. Yeah. I don't need My, I mean, hair is not a top priority of mine, but yeah. Well, for, for those of us trying to hold on to what we've got, um, <laughs> you know, we're desperately I, clingy. I failed at that, so I just shaved it all off. I'm tracking. I might be a few years behind you. We'll see. But But- what it did for joint health, muscle recovery, and gut health, the internal stuff, I was really, I was, I was curious about. I also just do what my wife said because she had done the research and I was a supplement skeptic. I didn't really take anything other than a multivitamin. So I said, well, I'll try this stuff. I mean, I've tried glucosamine. I've tried whey proteins. I've tried creatine at different times. I've tried BCAAs. I'm like, none of that crap works, but I'll try this because my wife told me to. So. I try the product, 
three weeks into it, I'm just doing it one scoop a day, just like the instruction said. And then I level up to two scoops a day and I'm just following what I'm supposed to do. Three weeks in, my fingernails are growing like crazy. I mean, huh. like I'm looking for the nail clippers. I'm like, what the hell's going on around here? I needed a haircut a week later. So I'm a month into using this product. The only dietary change I've made and I need a haircut. I'm like, this is weird. I just got a haircut. Then at the two month mark, I got out of bed one day. I'll never forget this. And I'm moving around the house. We got to fly cross country and I got to pack up the kid and get the bags and do the things. And we fly cross country and we get off the airplane in Boston and I'm grabbing all the stuff. And like, if you've ever packed for with a one-year-old, you know that you're bringing the entire world with you. Oh yeah. And I go, holy shit, Heather, my wife, nothing hurts. And she's like, oh, that's nice, dear. I'm like, you don't don't understand. (laughs) I'm six foot three and I just flew a cross country coach and like I am crammed up in the seat and nothing hurts. And it was like this little light bulb went off and I'm like, holy shit, collagen really works. And so that was the, that was the thing for me was I had a transformative experience with very good data on putting something into my body, making one adjustment in my diet that had magnificent results that were tangible, physical, and observable. And it was, I was stunned. And I'm looking at the jar and I'm like, what the hell's in this stuff? And it's like, it's ground up cowhide. It's kind of nasty when you think about it on one level, but it was unflavored. I could put it in my coffee. It didn't really taste horribly like a cowhide. And I just fell in love with the product. It freaking works. Mm-hmm. So, and you know this because you take it already. Yeah. You're going to have an entirely new experience with it shortly when the mail arrives and you get some bubs in the mail, but we'll talk about that later. Perfect. Um, so I fell in love with the product. My future business partner comes over to the house and we had moonlit on a couple of work assignments. So, you know, we, we'd, we'd been through the trenches together. We knew we worked really well together. And he just came over to shoot the shit one day, sees the jar of collagen. And I start raving about how great I feel. He's like, you take that stuff? And I'm like, oh my God, it's the best ever. And he just looks at me. He's like, well, let's start a company. And I'm like, oh yeah, sure. I'm 45 years old. I've got a kid in diapers right behind me. Another one on the way. Sure. Let's start a company. And we kind of, you know, just said, well, what would it look like? Let's just war room this one out for real quick. So we grabbed the napkin and started scribbling notes. And we looked at each other and we both said at the exact same time, well, whatever we do, we have to do something cool for charity. Mm. That was it. Opening line. It wasn't about collagen. It was, it was, it was what would we do if we were to join forces? Charity. Yeah. And I love that about this company. So 10% goes to companies that support or NPOs that support vets, right? Yeah. So, so we, we have a spark behind the brand. Um, I'll, I'll talk about that in just a second. But yeah, we, we support military charities and charities that that old friend I mentioned a long time ago, Glenn Bub Doherty, supported. So my oldest friend from middle school, a guy named Glenn Bub Doherty, um, you know, we were ski bums together. So while I was chasing my dream of becoming a pro snowboarder, he was out there trying to be a pro skier touring with the Grateful Dead in the summer, living the full ski bum lifestyle. We're both turning 25 and we're kind of like gut checking life. All of our friends had graduated from college. They took their first real jobs and they're investment bankers and they're going to law school and we're ski bums. Now, granted, I'm a professional snowboarder, so I feel like I've got a little cool factor because uh, you know I'm 25 and that's what you tell yourself. 
Uh, but Glenn was like, you know, I don't think I'm going to make it as a pro skier. I think my next challenge in life is to join the Navy and become a Navy SEAL. Now, this is in 1995. So the only data that we had on being a Navy SEAL was a Charlie Sheen movie on VHS. <laughs> so, you know, it wasn't a very robust knowledge base, but Glenn had met a couple of SEALs while he was surfing down in Costa Rica. And they really got it in his head. They're like, hey, man, you're, you're cool. You could do this. Yeah. And so Glenn brought that home with him. And I remember like he sat me down and he's like, don't tell anyone, but I think I'm going to join the Navy. So, and there's a mystique about SEALs and other special ops. I mean, and I've done a lot of work with them and man, they, it, it's impressive what they do and what they've done. It, it is, it is an absolutely impressive, cool community. I am so glad to have a large handful of them in my network of friends and that were Glenn's friends and it's fun. Like it's just a fun yeah. crew. So Glenn, you know, I drove Glenn to the recruiter. He joins the Navy, serves 10 years in the Navy as a Navy SEAL. And that's who he was. Glenn was this guy who would set his mind to accomplishing something and he would do it. Um, Glenn made hundreds and hundreds of best friends along the way through his life's journey. And I was lucky to be right there with him. Like it was, it's truly something I look back at and, and I'm, I'm grateful for. Um, Glenn and I were roommates in Encinitas, where I live now. Uh, we were both coaches at a fitness gym owned by another former Navy SEAL called SEAL Fit. Um, we really cut our teeth there fitness-wise. Being competitive, I'm, I'll throw myself out there on this one. I started getting, you know, catch up to Glenn on the fitness level. We started going toe-to-toe. Because I've seen some 40. of these SEALs like in high, like I know them in high school and they're about my size and then they go and they become SEALs and they come back and like their forearms are as big as my thigh. And I'm yeah. like, oh my God, what happened? Dude, he, he gained 30 pounds of muscle. Like he went from 160 yeah, pounds sea guy to like this monster. And, um, and it was cool, but like Glenn was this larger than life personality. Mm -hmm. Like he literally would walk around and just be like, your best friend. I mean, Dr. John, literally, like if you met him, he would talk with you, great eye contact. He would remember everything you said. And six months later, if he bumped into you again, hey, how are you doing? How's the wife and kids? What, you wow. know, how's the career going? And, and he would remember and he endeared himself to so many people by having that combined with his sincerity. And, and the fact he was just fun, like I could spin a tail and, and, and you know, he was just all those things and he was always helping others. So, when TJ and I sat down to talk about Bubs, the reason it all came together is that Glenn, un unfortunately, like he's no longer with us. He was killed saving American lives in Benghazi, Libya on 9-11 in 2012. So if you ever saw the movie 13 Hours or, you know, you remember when yeah. Hillary Clinton got in a whole bunch of trouble with the State Department, um, there was congressional hearings about it. That was my roommate. And that was, you know, I was the executor of Glenn's estate. I was his listed next of kin. Um, so I went from this really fun, carefree lifestyle in 2012 to having a radical life shift. And all of a sudden, legacy became a very important thing in my life. And initially, it wasn't my legacy. It was Glenn's legacy. And I was the shepherd and the protector of Glenn's legacy. So I help start a nonprofit to help special operators transition out of active duty life to civilian life, primarily through scholarship. That's the Glenn Doherty Memorial Foundation. And in 2017, when TJ and I sat down for coffee, 
as you know, the, the 13 hours movie had kind of come and gone and the congressional hearings had died down, we found an amazing way to keep Glenn's memory at the table. And we did it by launching the brand Bub's Naturals. And Bub was Glenn's call sign in the Navy. And when we, when we both said, hey, we got to do something cool for charity, it was Glenn's charity that I thought of and, and we thought of. And I just looked at him. I said, hey, man, we'll call the company Bub's. That was Glenn's call sign in the Navy. And we'll donate 10% of profits to charity, his charity, because Glenn was always helping others. And every product we make will stand for self-improvement, just like Glenn stood for self-improvement. And we took this wild idea sitting around my coffee table and we went to Glenn's family, Glenn's former teammates. And the, you know, the collective back was, hey man, Glenn would kick your ass if you don't do this. <laughs> so all of a sudden I go from youth marketing, like action sports guy to let's learn collagen and let's do it better than everyone else. Cause the world doesn't need another collagen brand, but maybe the world needs a brand doing things a little bit different. And that's kind of, that was the spark, man. It, that's where, that's where we jumped in. Well, it's, it's a great story. It makes me think of post-traumatic growth where, you know, you have a trauma or a tragedy and you transform it into something meaningful. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting. There's a call to action from tragedy and it's different for ideally. Different people. And, you know, whatever role you play in that going through a grief process or going through a helping process, it all is, has a part of the larger puzzle to play. Um, I had very clear directions with Glenn. Like I had a job to do. I was the executor of his estate. I had, I had things I had to manage that helped me through the grief process. It helped guide me through that. And there's some uncharted waters for sure. I had never lost a best friend, you know, a brother for, yeah. for, for lack of a better term. And I had lost a parent, but this was different because that parent I'd lost 30 years ago. This, this was very, very new and real. And there were hundreds of people looking for an outlet for their grief and looking to share it and looking to be a part of it. And this brand was an extension of that process of taking this tragedy and turning it into something celebratory and aspirational and, and just bigger than us, man. Like if greatness has no finish line, then let's get on that path. Yeah. And, and I can tell you, Sean, that in dealing with pain, if you can look for the meaning or the silver lining in that pain, it greatly reduces the pain. It doesn't do away with it, but I think the best we can do is look for what's the meaning or what's the lesson here that I'm supposed to pull out of this because it overlays that purpose on the pain and it makes the pain not so random and tragic. Yeah. There's a reason for what happened. Yep. Now, I mean, with bubs. And, and so I, I think that, you know, well, thank you for sharing that story. Um, and I'm it's sorry not, for your, not loss. your typical startup uh, experience. Yeah, I, can, yes. I can say that. Uh, so let me let me ask this because we only got a few more minutes. But one of the things that I've gotten into lately is I, I'm not sure if it's collagen protein or like collagen powder with protein in it. Like, how does that kind of enter into the equation? So, so for most people that are you know that might be listening to this or, or that are just new to collagen, I, I would say you know. Collagen in itself is a protein. It is an incomplete protein in that it does lack the amino acid tryptophan. Now, don't get geeked on the science. That doesn't matter. What matters is what does collagen do for you and what is it? 
So collagen is the most abundant protein in your body. You have more collagen as a protein in your body than any other protein. Most people don't know that. Second thing is after you turn 20 into 25, your body stops producing collagen. So every single year, you've got less and less and less and less and less of it. So turning 54, turning 50, my collagen levels are way different than they were when I was 25 years old. And you can see the difference in your skin. Just saying. If you're not taking collagen. Exactly. So by supplementing with collagen, with a high quality collagen, and we'll talk about high quality in a minute, you are elevating those collagen production levels. You're teaching your body to keep producing collagen. What does that mean? That means hair, skin, and nails, like we already talked about, but it means joint health. Glycine is an amino acid loaded up in a good collagen source that produces synovial fluid. Synovial fluid lubricates your joints. You're moving better. You're, flend- you're, you're, you're bending better. You've got more cushioning. It's great for muscle recovery. It's phenomenal for gut health. Literally, you process food better on collagen than you know without. Well, and, you're and we're learning protected. more and more about the microbiome. Sorry to interrupt, but I mean, we know that the microbiome is, there's three brains in the body. One's in your head, one's in your heart, and then there's the enteric nervous system. So there's a a mini brain in your GI tract, and it has a huge influence on how you feel. Yeah. And so, you know, if it's healthy for the microbiome, that's a big deal as well. It's huge, man. I I, I used to have a joke, and this all goes back to Glenn, because a lot of our brand humor does. Um, We used to call taking the perfect poop when you could get up off the toilet and just walk away. We, <laughs> it, we used to call it the ghost wipe. Like when you just, you don't need to, you know, you're clean and a healthy digestive tract and processing food naturally, you know, with that, that help of collagen allows your gut bacteria to do their job, which means if you're eating well, you are going to be getting up off that toilet and be like, we're good here. And it's, so it's I don't need the deal. squatty potty. You don't need the squatty potty. Okay. But I, I like the squatty potty. I'm, I'm kind of a fan. You know, hike up there. <laughs> I just like the marketing. You can pull the thinking man and, uh, you know. <laughs> One of my favorite statues. I know what you're doing. So, yeah. So, um, so anyways, so, it's, it, it's, a fun, it's a fun, simple, single ingredient product that will change your life. I, I, don't, I don't care what age you are. If, you know, if you can add one thing. Now, you had mentioned proteins in a traditional sense. Collagen is a great source for your connective tissue health. But if you are interested in muscle build, then I do recommend a plant-based protein, a whey protein, or a different protein source to complement it. They go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. So if you are a big fan of like your chocolate protein and the giant tub that you get from, you know, Thorn or a great nutrition brand, use it. Collagen goes with it. They go, they go hand in hand because, you know, what we have found out, especially as you get into your thirties and forties is we're not getting the collagen. I'm sorry, we're not getting the protein naturally in our diet. We're certainly mm-hmm. not getting the collagen in our natural diet. That's why we supplement. We don't supplement because you know someone invented some new powder. You're invented the new powder because there's a deficiency in our diet and you want to offset that. So when we talk about the physicality of feeling good and being fit, 70% of that process, I believe, happens in the kitchen. It is literally on our nutrition. It's interesting. I've heard 80% from like amateur bodybuilders that are competing and they say, you know, look, 20% is your workout. 80% is diet. Yeah. And I, when I, when I first heard that, I was like, wow, really? Yeah. And then I started looking at what they were eating and I was like, yeah, 
I mean, especially if they're bulking up or thinning down for competition. Yes. You know, losing body fat. It's, it's amazing, but I don't really want to eat chicken and rice, you know, 10 times a day. I need you more know, variety when, when, personally. Truly like, like when you think about like how you're getting your protein sources, um, you know, there's a lot of variety out there in the nutrition space, but like, you got to rotate through your fishes, your meats, like whatever you, and if you have an aversion to some things, like you have to be sensitive to that. There's a lot, yeah. there's a lot to consider out there. Yeah. Um, but nutrition is hugely important. And I, I mean, I break it down now. There's a couple of things I do that I've baked into my daily routine. And I, I kind of call it the daily routine. Like I, I get up in the morning and I meditate. I make my bed every day. I don't care what's happening. It's a small accomplishment that builds a little confidence. And then the meditation. Well, I, you is, know, it's funny because I've heard, pardon me for interrupting. I've heard the special ops uh, or a military phrase. The state of your bed is like the state of your head. I don't disagree with that. It, it is a simple way to achieve an attainable task that sets a stage for the day. Like whatever else happens. Hey man, you made your bed. You made it well. Yeah. You One know you're feel capable orderly. of doing good things. And, and so you, you've got that, you've got the meditation, which I, I can't emphasize enough. There's a billion brands of meditation out there. The biggest barrier to cross there is be willing to be alone with your thoughts. Which is scary as hell for most people. Yeah. But if you can't do it for a minute or two minutes a day, there's, there's, a, uh, there's a great documentary on that called the Dharma Bums. And it's a play on, I think, the Dharma Brothers. The, Dharma the old Kerouac. Yeah, the old too. Kerouac book. And, but it's the Dharma bums and it's so it's not dharma it's dhamma and ah. they did they taught uh vipassana meditation to 10 10 inmates in a maximum security prison down in georgia and they prepped them to do a 10-day silent retreat and in the documentary they interview each of these guys and they are scared out of their minds to retreat into 10 days of silence and understandable. I mean, and one guy's like, you know, I've spent my whole life trying to run away from what's in here in my head. And the last thing I want to do is spend 10 days in silence with only my head. Mm -hmm. um, the, you know, the meditation that I practice is called Zazen. I, I think I mentioned that before, and it's an active meditation. So my eyes are open. I'm visually tuned in to a specific object or, or place in the room. I am controlling my breathing methodically. And these are just little tools that allow mm -hmm. me to kind of push those thoughts away and get as close as I can to nothingness. And I mean, inevitably 10 minutes goes by, thoughts are going to creep in. Right. It's how you manage those and pull them out. And that clarity of thought is what you're unlocking to go through the rest of your day and problem solve and then jump on nutrition back to that one and eat well. And it's like, you get three meals a day, right? You set the stage with the meditation and we could do an entire podcast about meditation, but mm -hmm. think about the fuel you put in your body. You get three meals a day. Well, if you eat pancakes and syrup and bacon for your first meal, you got two more meals to, to, to win it back. Okay. Well, let's say you start your day with a green smoothie or egg whites or, you know, some nutritious, like on diet breakfast, and then you get to lunch and you choose, you know, the salad option over a giant greasy burger and fries. And then you go into dinner and you're like, man, I had a smoothie for breakfast. I had a great nutrition, protein rich salad for lunch. Let's have pizza tonight. Yeah. You got two good meals to in the bank to let you. And all of a sudden you realize like, wow, even though I ate pizza for dinner, almost 70% of my diet's on point. Now, what happens if you take one day a week or two days a week and you hit all three meals with a good quality, nutritious choices? 
you're at 80%, 90%, all of a sudden, like you're running a 90% plus diet just by tweaking a few meals a day and you approach it with a micro goal, one meal at a time. Yep. Win-win. Like today I will eat a salad for lunch. I had a smoothie for breakfast. I have no idea what my wife's going to want to do for dinner, but I know I've got a really good deposit in case she decides to go off the rails, you know, in my favor. So, yeah, I have not had my smoothie for breakfast yet, but I'm going to have it for lunch now. There you go. Um, and that's um, it's just the idea of those, those attainable goals. So I, I like to approach life by kind of setting the stage for success and doing those little things in the morning, help create a good foundation. And then you go into the rest of your day and you know, you've got a little deposit on getting stuff done that this helps push you. Now, through, so man. let me ask you this, cause we got to wrap up, but where can people get bub supplements? Yeah. So, so bubs naturals, our website, B U B S N A T U R A L S bubsnaturals.com. And we do an apple cider vinegar gummy. We have our collagen protein and I will say it again, we have the best collagen on the planet, hundred uh, percent money back guarantee. If you disagree with me, but you better write me an email because I will, I will let you know we have. Well, the best and I was stuff. looking on Amazon today, and it was on there. It is so for folks that like Amazon, it's actually an Amazon's choice. Amazon uh-huh. Prime. Um, we have a good, great relationship with those cats. I mean, I know people love to to shop there, so you can grab it on Amazon. And we're in Vitamin Shop nationwide, so you can go into your local Vitamin Shop and find us there. Uh, well and that's done. collagen. We have a non-dairy creamer, which is our MCT oil powder. So healthy fat source for mental clarity, mental focus, and energy. Um, and you know, come find us and uh, you know, join the Bubs family. All right. Well, hey, Sean, I got to say, I really, really enjoyed this conversation. So thank you for spending the time with me. And I also want to say I'm going to be down in Encinitas uh, late October for the Center for Respectful Leadership, uh, their board meeting. That was um, awesome. So maybe we can hook up and have coffee. That'd be awesome. Hands down. I, I expect I expect nothing less. I, I look forward to meeting you up in person and uh, getting you a sampling of bubs and, and what we do. And thank you so much for, for having me on here to share the story. All right. So that is it for this episode of The Evolved Caveman. Thank you so much for listening. And if you liked it, you can rate it, review it, and share it. If you didn't like it, you don't even need to worry about it. Thanks so much, guys. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Evolved Caveman Podcast. If you like what you've heard, support us by subscribing, leaving reviews, and sharing the podcast with friends and colleagues. For the latest, most powerful tools to connect with like-minded men, join the Facebook group at The Evolved Caveman. Follow Dr. John on Instagram at The Evolved Caveman, all one word, or join the email list by visiting guidetoself.com. 